We'd like to welcome you to church this morning. It's so good to have you with us. And if you're a guest, I just want to say thanks for joining us this morning. We'd love to invite you to check out our website, salemheightschurch.org, to learn a little bit more about us. But we're really glad to have you with us. And we know that this is Memorial Day weekend, a time set aside for us to remember the men and women who gave their lives fighting for our freedom here. And we're very thankful to live in a country where we have these freedoms. And we remember that those freedoms came at a cost. And I'm reminded as a believer in Jesus Christ that my spiritual freedom also came at a cost. But I'm so thankful, as it says in John chapter 8, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so we want to invite you now to worship with us as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, Salem Hiders and guests uh, who are joining us. We do welcome you here today, as you just heard from Pete, and we are looking forward to worshiping with you now. Uh, so we would invite you to bring your family on in uh, and sing aloud so that uh, you might encourage one another. We're going to have Alexa help us lead uh, today with a few other team members as well. So join in as we worship, then we'll hear from God's word. your love, slave to the darkness, if it wasn't for the cross, you have won me with your kindness, you chased me down when I was lost. Sin is overcome. It is. 
that your mercy is more than um, any sin that we have ever done. 
And we are so thankful for the forgiveness that comes through your son, Jesus. And we're so thankful that you love us, that you um, care about us, you want to walk with us, you want to carry every burden. And we're thankful for that today. God, I would pray for those folks that are um, hurting today, that are um, needing some encouragement from you. I pray that they would find that from your word today, from a, a friend, um, a, another believer that might uh, reach in and uh, give a word of encouragement this week. Uh, we pray that that would happen. Uh, we would pray that you'd help us now to hear from your word because we know that it's, it's that which is what's going to change us and, um, and help us and encourage us. Uh, we are so thankful to be saved. We're so thankful to be a part of your plan and pray that you would help us to understand a little bit more of that now. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you. Uh, we are excited to dig into God's Word with you this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to ask you to take it out and find the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be uh, spending most of our time today. And Pastor Justin, it's good to be with you again yeah. this morning. And uh, I thought we would start off again, kind of just sharing some updates about some outreach we've been doing over the last week. Yeah, we uh, we asked uh, you at the church to be bringing in food in order to meet some needs that are in the community. And we had a great response to that. About six and a half tons of food ultimately came into the church as well as cash donations to help with the food pantry. And we had so much food around, we were actually concerned somebody might think that we were hoarding. And so we were just praying, Lord, what is a need that we could actually meet? And uh, the Lord provided that. We actually had some people in the community tell us about a need that was happening in uh, Northeast Salem. We were working with Chemeketa to yeah. be able to uh, get some names of students uh, who were in need. Uh, and this week, as of the, the taping of the uh, sermon here uh, this morning, we've had about 150 to 160 more food bags go out for individuals in our community, and we're still uh, getting names and now beginning the process of delivering them to homes. And uh, you folks were a key part of making all of that happen. So it was really exciting. It is exciting. And I, and I was <clears throat> mentioning to you how thankful I am to be part of a church um, t that is really serving the Lord. And it's, it hasn't been a hard ask. Everything we've actually put out to our folks of ways they could get involved, we've had just a great turnout. Even yesterday, I know um, we had some of our uh, church attenders ask if they could come and they put on a mask and gloves we're handing out food and yeah uh, but as we've been giving out this food we want to continue to replenish uh, our food closet because we are getting opportunities to meet that need and so uh, how can people give to the food closet as we move forward yeah, what we're asking uh, our folks to do is Thursdays between 10 and noon, you can come and drop off completed food bags. The list will be on our website. Um, we're buying um, an updated list that doesn't have some of the perishables, eggs, and bread on it. Um, but then we will be handing those bags out to people in the community. And remember, the goal for us is not just a social gospel. Some people have asked us about the purpose of that. Uh, we want to make sure that um, our faith is put on display. We're taking care of orphans and widows in their time of need, and we're proclaiming the gospel. Everywhere that we go, we're taking every opportunity to make sure that we are proclaiming Christ. But we're trying to meet needs in the community in a way 
uh, that shows that it's not just our voice, it's also our heart. We're extending to people uh, a desire to meet those needs. Yeah. So thank you for everybody who's already participated, and thank you to those who will. And uh, this morning, we're going to be back in our series uh, called Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah. And we have been looking at some theological ideas about how God sees believers. And we believe that some of these ideas are some of those kinds of concepts that might get, we've said dusty, meaning we haven't maybe spent a lot of time thinking about them, unpacking them recently, or perhaps they've gotten, they've gotten a little less impactful in our lives. And a lot of these truths, what I've really enjoyed each week uh, studying and, and discussing with you and prepar- uh, preparing for our messages, just the way that we've been kind of talking, having some great yeah. discussions. And this week, we're going to look at the idea of bondservant. I am a bondservant, and um, it is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, but tell us a little bit about um, kind of this, this word and where we see it in the scriptures. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's Memorial Day weekend. The tie-in to the word bondservant is the idea that I'm going to serve somebody um, because of the, that's the highest good, not because I'm emotionally drawn to giving my life or I'm emotionally drawn to hardship, I'm doing this out of a sense, uh, I'm compelled to serve them because it's the right thing to do. And a bondservant is somebody listed in scripture um, multiple times, New Testament authors call themselves a bondservant. Mm. Paul does, James does, Peter does, it's, it's uh, John and others are listed as bondservants, Timothy. Um, this idea is that you are serving somebody because it's the right thing to do. You are compelled to do it, not out of emotion, but compelled to say, this is what I am called to do and I'm gonna do it even if it's hard. Yeah, and so one of the places that we see kind of the call for believers to take on this identity of a bondservant is in Philippians chapter two. And I wanna read that passage, Philippians two, hopefully you found it in your Bibles. Starting in verse five, the apostle Paul writes this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yeah, this is uh, an incredible passage where he... Paul is calling us to be bondservants. Mm. He's saying, I want you to have this same attitude that Jesus had. And then he gives you a little idea of what it is that was inside of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of discussion that happens around what does it mean to empty himself and all these different uh, aspects of what Christ did. Just absolutely incredible. But in verse 7, instead, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a bondservant, taking the likeness of humanity. And when he comes as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That idea of humbling yourself, becoming obedient to, just that phrase, for us as Americans in particular, but in this modern age, that phrase, uh, we tend to just read it and then set it aside. Mm. Anything that requires us to humble ourselves, becoming obedient to, and then just finish that sentence with anything, it causes us to rankle. That just screams that I'm a slave and I don't love it. Yeah. So what we want to do this morning is to first kind of describe or define a little bit more what it means to be a bondservant. Yeah. And then we want to take a look at why would somebody choose 
to be a bondservant. So maybe we can start with a definition. Yeah, so uh, just a basic Bible dictionary definition of servant or the Greek word doulos that's, that we're looking at here in the New Testament. Uh, three different definitions. First one is simply a slave. Hmm. So that is somebody who is the property in essence of another. The second term that is used is one who gives himself up to another's will. That gives in the flavor of bond slave, where it's not just a slave that's been captured, but you actually have chosen to give yourself up to another. Mm. And third is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Mm. Now, all three of those are ones that when we hear them, you have to read at the same time the Lord saying, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Because if God hadn't written this out, we would be, I believe, frustrated in our current culture when we hear those words. Slave, one who gives himself up to another's will and devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. And so in the original culture that the New Testament was written, the, the idea of slavery would have been something that people were very familiar with. Uh, yeah. Slavery, uh, depending on who you read, which historical commentator talks about, uh, up to one third of the population in this Roman culture was slaves, uh, maybe even more than that. And so um, those who weren't slaves uh, were seen as a higher class. And, and for those who were slaves, uh, many of them had the opportunity, if they worked a certain amount of years, to gain their freedom. Yeah. And that's what you looked forward to. So to have freedom was something that you desired. And so here you have these New Testament authors who are saying right off the bat, you know, it's, it's like a greeting. It would be like me saying, I'm, I'm Pete and I'm a pastor at Salem Heights Church yeah. or another greeting. They're saying, this is my name. And the first thing I want you to know about me is I'm a bondservant of God. This would have been a shocking thing to say that yeah. I, I'm actually choosing to be a slave in a culture that says you should be doing everything you can to not be a slave. And so when they said that, what do you think the authors were trying to communicate to the people about why they were choosing yeah. that? Well, I think probably the most enlivened section of our discussion when we were working through this is, don't tell me what it means right now or what other commentators, because we spend so much time explaining this word away. If yeah. you listen to people write about it, they, are, they start with, well, now still listen to me, audience, whoever they're speaking to. Yeah. He, he still loves you. You're still his child. You're, it, they spend all this time like patting people on the back to tell them it doesn't really mean as big a deal as, you know, slave sounds like. Right. But in reality, this would have been a shocking term to a Roman uh, speaking to other people saying, I'm a bondservant. It would have been radical. And it's radical for a couple of reasons. I think that the two things we have to hear correctly right now that two things that are being said um, are these and the first one is that a servant or a slave goes wherever his master asks no matter the consequence or emotion mm. that that is a part of the understanding with the word that a, a first century jew or roman when they're hearing these words written to the church they knew that was part of their understanding yeah so they're so, making this decision to place themselves under a master, and in doing so, they're relinquishing some of their rights yes. to having a say. And so now they're, they're, they're giving authority to someone else to make those decisions on their behalf. Well, not just they are doing that, but it says here, adopt this attitude that was in Jesus. Yeah. He was God. Mm. He didn't, there was nothing about God that he had to reach out and say, oh, I'm working harder on this. Man, eventually I'm going to get up to cloud nine. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not doing that. Yeah. 
He's saying everything that it means to be God is me. And I took on the form of a servant, mm. a bond servant. I did it by choice. And I want you to have the same attitude. I think that's a key point because when we look at masters and it's slaves, critical. we think of the masters as being above and really mistreating the slaves. And yet here in the scriptures, whether you look at the life of Christ or now Paul yeah. pointing back to Christ's attitude, he as Lord is exampling. He's, he's being a living example of what this looks like and he's calling us to join him in that same attitude. Yeah, that's that moment Jesus is washing the disciples' feet saying, look at how I serve you. I want you to remember how distasteful this was at the beginning for you that I would do it. He, he was that servant. Yeah. What we also see here is that a bond servant, being a bond servant is a willful choice to set aside my will and choice. Yeah, I, I think that is also very critical because the choice, there's the difference between a slave, just a slave, and a bond slave was that one made the choice. Literally, there was a process we saw as we were studying this in the Old Testament where you would put your ear up to a doorpost and the master would drive an awl through the ear to mark you saying, I, I have given my life to you, master, for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I am your property. Mm. I, I become yours to command. Um, that was the picture in the Old Testament. And it carries over into the New Testament where Christ says, uh, I take on the form of a bondservant. I'm doing stuff for you when you were still enemies, when you were still running the wrong direction, when you didn't want the right stuff. I'm serving you. And I'm giving up my will and my choice to serve Jesus is the picture that is in Scripture. And so I do think a lot of us think of slavery as oppressive, as not having a say, being taken against our will, but a bondservant very clearly saying, I am making a choice in my freedom to submit myself and surrender my rights Completely. to a master. And yeah. so that's what it means. It means a slave or someone who is going to allow um, their master to lead them no matter what the consequence or the emotion. So I guess the obvious question is why? Why would um, a believer... Um, starting with these apostles, these, these first believers after Christ had left and gone back to heaven, and now they're carrying the gospel forth as God had commanded yeah. them. Why would they place themselves under God's authority? Why would they call themselves a bondservant? Well, and, and beyond that too is why would we? Yeah. So why do we need to study this word? Mm. And why can't we leave it on the shelf? Yeah. Why does this need to hit my heart? And once again, another lively part of our discussion centered around, well, what kind of um, motivation. motivation or pull actually draws me into this? Is it love? And if it is love, which it is according to scripture, love for God draws me into this activity. I'm going to become a bondservant. But is it an emotional love? Mm. And so just to help us a little bit as an aside, but it definitely helps the discussion about what it means to be a servant. Um, we found this video from the Bible Project that actually describes agape love and what you need to understand about that type of love that then informs what it means to be a bondservant. So let's watch that and then we'll have our discussion. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. 
do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachmah. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like, love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. 
So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Well, I found that video very helpful personally as we've been talking this week in the whole conversation of love does drive us, it does motivate us to be a bondservant, to willfully choose to be under Christ as our Lord. But this idea of love can kind of get a little bit confusing because as the video said, there are many different words that are used for love. And when you get to the Greek, which uh, the New Testament is written in, Um, There's many different forms of love. And why is it important understanding agape if we're going to understand what it means to be a bondservant? I think it's the critical ingredient. In in fact, what we found was there were actually two terms that got dusty in our thinking (laughs) as we were having this discussion. Um, But the idea of agape love, all the other loves, there's something that you are getting out of it. With agape love, this is a love that is centered on the idea that I'm sacrificing. Mm. And and there may be emotion that come with that. There's blessing that comes with that. But I am doing this because it's the highest good. Mm -hmm. Because it is uh, what what I am called to do. And so that kind of devotional love with no expectation in return is what authors bondservant. Mm. Uh, I cannot become a bondservant unless I'm saying, Lord, because it is the right thing to do, because you are worthy of this kind of service, I'm going to sacrifice my emotion this morning. I don't, I don't want to be in the Word. I don't want to help that person. I don't want to give the way I'm supposed to give. Uh, and God says, no, let me enter into you through this avenue of love and make you into a bondservant. I'm going to begin to act on the love that is actually in my heart. And that's the love that's been modeled by God towards humanity since the beginning, his covenantal love where he's making pledges that he's going to keep. And then he calls us into that, whether it's as in a marriage relationship, whether it's as parents to children. If you really think about this on a practical level, it is this kind of love that allows us to fulfill our commitment and our responsibility as a spouse or a parent. Because there are definitely times where I don't feel attracted, I don't feel drawn, I don't feel proud or um, happy about the behavior of someone that I'm in relationship with, yet my call is to continue to put them ahead of myself because that's agape. Yeah. Nobody wakes up at 3 a.m. to the sound of a crying baby and goes, yes, I couldn't wait. (laughs) Finally, I get to feed that thing. No, you say, I'm going to feed it because it'll die if I don't. But I have to do this. It's the right thing to do. That agape love Mm -hmm. forces you forward. I do think that we actually came to a summary conclusion when we began to talk about um, what it means to be a bondservant. And we both said... Our faith would be incomplete unless we've considered the implications of becoming a bondservant. Yeah. That, I, I think that statement, when we made it a couple days ago, when we began to chew on that a little bit more, that's what soaked into me, mm. is there is an element in which I am incomplete unless I've understood what Christ is calling me to in service. Yeah, the idea of obedience is important. and. Yet when we hear the gospel, we hear of our brokenness and we hear for our invitation into the family of God through faith and faith alone. That no matter how broken you were, 
God loved you so much to send his son to pay the penalty for your brokenness and reach into your mess and actually pull you into his family. And so even the last couple of weeks, we've looked at these amazing truths of you're a child of God by faith. You are an heir. Uh, Last week, you are a disciple, meaning you have this intimate, close fellowship with God. And yet, that's just one aspect of the relationship. Yeah. And there is this whole other aspect of being a bondservant. And I think it does complete and round out my faith because it's not just about the love and this relational love, but there's also now a commitment that bondservant helps me remember that he's my father, but he's also my king. He's my Lord, and I am under him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you are being invited into a relationship right now where the king of kings is calling you to be a prince, mm-hmm. but the ultimate servant, nobody could serve or could fall farther to serve than our king has fallen or put himself under in order to serve us. So he's saying, I want you to come join this servicemen's guild. Come mm-hmm. join me in serving like I serve. Right. And we can't outgive God, we can't outserve our Savior. So initially when we hear the gospel, I believe we understand, we have to understand the idea that there is a God and He is above all, and we are His creation, yeah. and that we now have, we are accountable to His authority. But we also hear very clearly in the gospel this this invitation, this love, this extension of salvation, this adoption and inheritance into God's family. And so now as we do this, there's this this process in which love is being cultivated in us. The scripture says yeah. we are able to love only because we actually learn what love is through how God has loved us. But these different loves are kind of formed in different ways. Yeah. And so how does God develop agape love in us differently maybe than how he develops these other forms of love that we experience with him? Well, I, I think... Um... The, the idea of forming something in us is the idea that, uh, that there's a process, right? And so when we were talking about this, I, if we're going to develop agape love or develop a servant's heart, mm-hmm. there actually has to be a process of stretching that muscle. So just like you would work out, you know, and there's a soreness that comes with, oh man, I'm not using those muscles the right way, or my lungs are having a hard time keeping up, or whatever it is at the very beginning, and it might be hard or even distasteful to you. Through the process, though, it becomes enjoyable, and there actually is a process where you be able, where you are able to actually strengthen yourself. You're able to stand up to the rigor. You're able to grow in your capacity. And it actually, for those that have that lifestyle of regularly doing one activity or another, runners, uh, you know, swimmers, whatever it would be, they they hunger for that all the rest of their lives. It starts with a practice that may be hard. It turns into a lifestyle that's enjoyable. This is the same thing with servanthood. You have to begin by stretching the muscles of serving. Doing something for somebody with nothing in return is tough. It's going to cause your muscles to ache a little bit, spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. But it will grow not only into an enjoyable process, it'll become your passion. Because Mm -hmm. two things, there's an energy in you that's being released that is the Spirit of God saying, I want to go do this. And and you get to be what you've always wanted to be. But also the process of it it becoming a blessing. You're replacing lesser loves with this joyous activity. So this is a critical part of our identity as a follower of Christ, because if our relationship with Christ is built only on that affectionate love 
that warm love, that attraction to God because he's so loving and good, that that won't always last. There's going to be hardship in times. There's going to be times where I don't feel a certain way, and yet we're still called to walk in relationship with him. So we really do need this servanthood, this agape love developed in us so that we can be consistent. There's almost nothing in life that can survive with only the fluffy and the happy, Mm -hmm. right? You can't just live life on sweets. Mm -hmm. And so this is the reality piece that sometimes is hard for us. We we like our our devotional life and our engagement with the Lord as Americans in general to just be these neat syrupy little thoughts. We like them encapsulated with a neat little picture up on the the wall. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we like to have our happiness and then we'll go through and if there's any hardship well that's not related to my faith walk it's just uh, that's just part of life Mm -hmm. right but I separate that from the Lord no what the Lord's saying is enter into this hardship with me Mm -hmm. walk in service even when you don't enjoy it and I'll bless you and I think and and I think without that our faith really is incomplete our, our total relationship is missing a critical element yeah without agape, without this call to servanthood, that leaves it a little bit lacking. We had two pictures that kind of helped us be able to consider how do we make sure that this is a part, or Mm -hmm. what what is a way for me to relate to this so I can say, all right, I need to make sure servanthood is a part of my life. But one of those pictures uh, was the picture of adding gravy to a meal. Uh, And we were talking about uh, when you create the meal, if the meal is a full-fledged Christian, there is the part that I'm an adopted child of God. There is the part that there's this love inside me that is exciting. There is a part where I reflect on all that God has done for me and it fills me with joy mm. and I'm animated with happiness. That's, that is a key part of being a Christian right. is that reflected uh, joy, the, the, the emotion that I have. But the other part is that dedication and the grind and the consistency that says, I'm going to do this even when... I don't um, have the emotion for it, but it's the right thing to do, and God will take care of it in the end. Our, that Once again, that idea that our, our life is not fully formed unless we've considered how we relate to that. But you had a good experience trying to cook a meal. Right. And there was actually part of the gravy that uh, you, you had not cooked correctly the I first couple it. of times, no. but you needed it in order for the meal to taste right. right. So what did you have to do? So yeah, I was, I've been experimenting in the kitchen, like probably a lot of us are during this quarantine, and I was making a dish that required a thickening of the sauce, and so I had never done this before, and so I read that you needed to add cornstarch to it, and so I've made this dish three times. The first couple of times, I was adding the cornstarch just directly in, the full amount, into the dish, trying to whisk it, and if you, what I've learned now, which probably most of you who are watching who cook know, yeah. it just becomes lumpy, it doesn't thicken the sauce, it doesn't spread... And what I, I, so I did some research and you actually have to prepare that outside of the meal, outside of the heat in cool water, you get it prepared and then you add it in little by little. And over time, that meal, as it's finalizing, it thickens that sauce and then it's prepared to be enjoyed as it's supposed to be. And so, yeah, but if you don't follow that process correctly, it doesn't turn out. Yeah. And the thing that really stood out to you as we were having this discussion (laughs) is that 
had to be thickened. The, the cornstarch had to be added to cold water. Right. Which really is just a mental picture of the opposite of warmth that we're <laughs> right. having on all of yeah. this. I'm adopted, I'm loved, yeah. I'm cherished, you know. And then in the cool water over here is I'm a servant and I'm going to do whatever Absolutely. I need to. And that has to be stirred in. But if you don't add that to the meal, the meal's incomplete. It is. Doesn't taste right. Right. And that's the same for us as Christians. If we don't have a good idea of what it means to be a loving servant, we have not submitted to what Philippians is asking us to submit to, yeah. to have that attitude. And there were a number of people who followed Jesus when it was fun and exciting, but when it started to get hard and he started to call people to pick up their cross and follow yeah. him, they a lot of them left. They did. And so our desire would be for our church to be uh, full of people who understand that they are a child, they are a disciple, but they're also a bondservant, someone who has been called by God and who willfully places himself under Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I know we have some questions for us to think about as we kind of try to now take this from the head to the heart. What were some of those? Yeah, just uh, we had three that we had discussed that might help us be able to kind of digest this. And uh, the, the first one is the one we've been asking every single week. What part of this discussion was hard to hear? Mm. And uh, for you and I, we spent time uh, discussing what kind of love would drive that. Yeah. How can I get my head wrapped around this? But it may be a different aspect of loving servant based on your situation. So uh, I would have you take time as a family to consider what part of this discussion was hard for you to wrap your mind around. But secondly, what has God called you to that requires a servant's heart? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I've been called into pastoral ministry. There's a role here that I feel that the Lord has called me and said, hey, I fit you for this role mm. and you need to serve in this role. Um, and there's gonna be days where you don't want to or where the emotion isn't there, but you've gotta do what is right in order to get there. What is it that you have been called to in your everyday life that requires a servant's heart and you're asking the Lord to energize you with agape love in order to serve yeah. that right way? Yeah. And the third one we had was, what will you do this week to display a servant's heart? Mm -hmm. So it's not just what have I been called to, um, you know, that can be a station in life, uh, a wife, a mother, uh, a husband, a pastor, whatever it would be. But what will I do this week to display a servant's heart? That may be, I, I know an individual that's been on my heart. I think that they're there because of the spirit of God. I'm gonna go serve them even if I get nothing in return. Yeah. What are you gonna do on behalf of another to display this servant love? Yeah. Well, believers, uh, you have been called to put on the same attitude as Christ, taking on this bondservant attitude. And, and we hope that this will be something that you can uh, chew on this week. So, uh, Pastor Justin, would you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that Scripture shapes our mind. And we thank you for the high call that there is in Scripture to have an attitude that was in our Savior, Jesus. I can't imagine uh, even how that was to pen those words by Paul to say, have this attitude that was in our Savior, to have the same thoughts as God about serving the people around us. But Father, we pray that you would give us that kind of servant's heart, uh, that we would so value those that are around us, that orphans and widows have needs met, that the broken get lifted up, that the people in our lives uh, that we run into every single day would see a servant's attitude rather than somebody who believes that they are higher. Father, help us 
uh, in our faith, not to be known just for being right. Mm -hmm. uh, we do want to be right. We want to be uh, understanding the world the way that you understand it. Well, Father, let that not be what we're known for. Let them see us as servants, those who have put on display agape love. Let us live that out every single day. We ask in Jesus' name.